Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Well, hey, everyone. Happy Friday. I hope that you had a great week. I can't believe May is done. May is over. It is June 1st. Guys, we're halfway through the year almost, right? This is the last month before July 1st, obviously. (laughs) And at that point, we're 50% through this year. Where are you in your year? Are you reaching your goals? Do you remember your goals? Doesn't mean that that's a bad thing if you don't, because maybe those goals that you set at the beginning of the year weren't that important to you, or maybe you have new things that are important to you. So I asked those prompts not to send you into a shame spiral. I ask you those prompts just to keep in mind that time is passing and always be aware of what's most important to you. And just on that very quickly, as most of you know, if you've been around here for a second, my big goal for this year was six figures in passive revenue. And I will be completely honest with you that I am am not tracking to that goal. Strangely, my coaching business has been doing better and better. But where I started out with the passive revenue goal It has not gone in the direction that I had anticipated, and I don't have shame around it, number one, because it was a goal that I set based on zero data, so I had no indication that this was actually a goal that was actually achievable, so I continued to learn what my own limits are when it comes to goal planning, so I know that probably was not the best goal, but I'm also learning a lot. It's not like I've trashed the goal. It's not gone. But I'm also learning that, I think I mentioned this before, the money part is not as motivating as I thought it would be. What's more motivating to me is that I'm working in alignment with what's most important to me. So I really didn't realize how important that element was, but now I see it. And that's a learning lesson. So goals are not just great for moving yourself forward. They're great for making you understand who you are better, learning about yourself, learning what's important. This is all just a journey, right? A journey of self-discovery. So yeah, my own goals are not going very well, but I haven't given up on them. I'm just not measuring my worth against whether or not I actually crack this thing. But I am glad I set that goal because I have learned a lot. So where are you on your goal journey? If you have forgotten your goals or you just haven't you know, had a system for planning them and executing them, then today's episode might just be helpful for you. Today we're talking about how to choose a planner or more broadly, a system to work for you. This is something that a lot of my clients come to me struggling with, and it's been been more and more prevalent lately. I don't know what's in the air, but everybody's coming to me looking for a system to help them crack the code on getting all the things done. And sadly, there's no planner system in the world that's going to help you overcome every single one of your executive function challenges, right? Our brains are just wired differently such that planners are not necessarily going to be the fix. The fix might be making different choices for our lives. We live in a neurotypical world, right? So sometimes it's about creating systems and having planners and reminders and structure and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just saying no to things that regiment us into a little box that we don't belong in, like me trying to attain six figures in passive revenue. I didn't realize that was a box until I tried to fit in it, and then it didn't work. And all I know now is that's not the box I want to be in. 
we'll go find another one that works better for my neurodivergence. And I encourage you to think about that in a similar way because it's more compassionate and it's more helpful. So on that note, guys, I'm going to roll to this week's podcast. I will see you next Friday. And yeah, have a great week. Y'all, if you're anything like me, then you probably love a good planner system. I don't know about you, but I have gone through every single conceivable paper and digital planner there ever is or has been. And also, if you're anything like me, then you have a tendency to pick up a new planner system, think that this is going to be like the savior to all your chaotic problems. And when it doesn't fix all of your woes, then you get disappointed and move to the next thing. We call this planner hopping or maybe just magical thinking. So I want to break down some things to think about when you are considering a new planning system or to double down on the system that you have. But even more broadly, I want to talk about why it's so important to have a system for planning, especially if you have ADHD. So if that's you, then what I would first suggest is whatever system you have right now, don't make a move until you've answered the following questions for yourself. So the first thing to ask yourself is what do you want your system to do? Do you need something to just track appointments or do you need something that's more elaborate around task management and to-dos where you're constantly writing things down because you need to remember them to do them later on? What is the most important thing that you need to be supported with? So for example, sometimes clients come to me saying, oh, my system is not working for me. I've been using some sort of elaborate task management system, but what they really just need is a calendar. But if you're somebody who plans a lot of projects or has a lot of complexity in their work that's not necessarily date dependent, then you're going to need something much different. So first things first, what kind of result do you want your planner or system to provide. The next thing to consider is where you're going to use whatever system this is. Are you generally working from home and you're at a desk where you can write things down whenever you want? Or are you on the go and you need a system where you can voice record ideas to yourself or put tasks on a list where somebody else will complete that task? Think about your lifestyle, where you spend the majority of your time, and what kind of a tool would work best for whatever your situation is. The next thing to consider is when you're going to use your planning system. So some folks only need structure at work. Maybe they have a nine to five and they do a lot of meetings and whatever calendaring and task management system their employer gives them is more than enough. Another thing to consider is who needs to use this system. Is it just for you? Or is it for everybody in your family, everybody at the office, or everybody on your team in your business? So if you are somebody who has a family that's very busy and has a lot of activities, you might need a shared calendar that's either something that's on the fridge or a shared Google calendar. Or if you're somebody like me who has a solo business, but you might want to communicate or collaborate with other people, then you need a system where they can book time on your calendar or share to-dos and a collaborative space where you can actually get work done. And to that end, my last question I would ask you is how are you going to use this? So if you just need a calendar or a task management system, there's a lot of options for you out there. However, as a solopreneur, I need a calendar where my clients can book time. I need a task management system so I can constantly stay ahead of the things I need to do in my business. 
Sometimes that task management system needs to be shared with other people. So I can't just use a paper planner. And I also need an ecosystem where I can get my work done, meaning doing all my writing and my scripting and my planning and that sort of thing. So thinking about the who, what, where, and how around your system is going to help you narrow down what the specifics are for you. And when you know exactly what your needs are, it's going to help you get really clear on what's going to work for you and what's not. And that is going to help you reduce any planner hopping tendencies that you have. So now that we've gone through those questions, what comes up is like the top two or three things that you really need this system to do for you. And the last thing you want to consider as an ADHDer is how do you want that system to support your ADHD? Do you want it to help you stay organized, stay on track of time, or stay on track of appointments or remind yourself of certain things? Does it need to have really obnoxious reminders? Or would you prefer to have like just a bullet journal where writing things out is the most important part of your internalization process? So that wraps up the logistical aspect of thinking through the right planner system for you. I've talked about this before. Personally, I use Notion and here's why. I needed something digital so I could look at it every morning when I'm sitting down in my office. But also if I'm out on a walk, there's something that I can quickly dump notes into that I can then process at a later time. I also want that same place to be somewhere where I record notes and take resources in because as somebody who uh, disseminates a lot of ideas as part of their job, it's really important for me to be able to quick capture things like articles or books or ideas and then have them in a place where they can be processed or included into new things that I'm developing in the future. And for me, and this may be true for you or not, having everything in one ecosystem was really, really important because I have worked with a number of different systems at once in the past. Like, for example, when I was in corporate, generally corporations tend to use the Microsoft ecosystem, which I do not like. And then in my personal life and in my side hustle that it was at the time, I was using Google products and I've also tried Evernote and a bunch of different to-do apps, right? And what would happen is that all of my ideas would get tucked away in different places along with sticky notes and just random pieces of paper. And it would get really hard to hold a track of all of those things. So for me, restraint is really important. And Notion gives me the flexibility to practice restraint in the sense that I'm only using Notion, but then it can be whatever I need it to be. So it's where I track my to-dos, my calendar, my weekly spread. And then it's also a place where I track my wins and journal and think about my work and reflect on my months and my quarters and plan for things. It's an all-in-one ecosystem. So I know that no idea is going to get lost or stranded in any other system because I don't use any other system. And as much as I sometimes like to try bright and sparkly things, and I do try them in the name of research, you know, uh, generally, I just keep coming back to Notion because that's what works for me. And for you, it might be you know, something entirely different, but it's figuring out what works for your brain, where there's the least amount of friction, but then also uh, making sure that whatever system you're using meets those logistical guidelines that I mentioned earlier as well. So with all of that said, you might be thinking right now, that's all well and good, Karen. I have a system that functions appropriately. The problem 
is that I'm still not getting things done. And that has been a theme for a lot of my clients over the past couple of weeks, which is inspiring this episode, to be quite honest. So people come to me saying, I don't have a system to get things done, and I feel like everything's chaotic, and and I don't feel like I'm moving things forward, right? So when we dig into it, what I find out are a couple of different things. Very often, a lot of my clients feel really good about writing things down. It, it makes them feel like they're in control, and it gives them a little uh, dopamine squirt. And when that happens, then they can put that piece of paper away and feel like, okay, this action is now complete because it's done. And it no longer feels urgent because it's out of the head and off into the ether. So there's the planning part of our cycle, if you will, but then there's the execution part. And while I love doing the planning part, well, that is the easy part, right? It's the execution part that's hard. And in uh, scientific terms, from a psychological standpoint, that's called the hot-cold empathy gap, where in the planning process, because you're not actually doing the thing, it's fun to plan and it doesn't take any energy or cognitive load. You're just planning it at that point. That is the easy part. But then come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when you're supposed to be executing on those things, all of a sudden you don't feel like it. And that's the hot-cold piece. You're hot when you're uh, planning, but you're cold when it comes time to execution. And there's a couple of different things at play there. Some of it is just that our energy is typically in flux. And we can generally like rally enough energy to do the things that are required of us, like those highly structured, highly urgent things. But when it comes to the things that we want to do, the things that we plan for ourselves, they generally go by the wayside because they take additional energy that we don't necessarily have access to in the moment. So what do we do with that? Well, the first part starts in that moment when you're doing your planning, being aware of this hot, cold empathy gap, and really being honest with yourself. When you are writing down your plan for the week, are you actually going to do these things that you're putting down? Because if they're pie in the sky, or if they're in any way just dreamy, like in a perfect world, I'm going to do these things. Like I usually don't roll out of bed till 10 a.m., but next week I'm going to get out of 5 a.m. and start writing my book every day. If they are really, I don't, I hate using the word far-fetched, but if they are far-fetched and you know somewhere in your heart that you're not going to do them, the danger of that is that come Tuesday morning, when it's time to get out of bed at 5.30 to start writing your novel, you're not going to do it. And then you start berating yourself, being that person who never follows through on anything. And so many of my clients have this self-identity. And what happens then is when you don't have self-trust that you will follow through on the things that you say you're going to do, then you start believing I'm just somebody who doesn't follow through on anything. I start things and they never get finished them because ADHD, that's just who I am. I can't do stuff. And then your brain shuts down and there is no possibility of you improving from that perspective. And I get why that's such a sore spot because it's been that way for me too. So what I want to encourage you to do is start thinking from instead of a fixed mindset of I'm just somebody who doesn't finish things, we're going to look at this through a growth mindset and we're going to say, I, I am somebody who can finish things because there's a lot of things in my life that I've finished. Otherwise, I'd be living in a ditch somewhere. So yes, I can. I can do things that are super urgent and required of me and things that other people are expecting from me. 
where I struggle is showing up for myself. So that's a first thing to notice about yourself. And when you come to it from that perspective, the growth mindset, the compassionate mindset, you don't go into the amygdala area of your brain where the prefrontal cortex shuts down and you can't do anything because your executive is no longer functioning. I think that's the phrase. It's gone out for a boozy lunch. So when we come at it with a more compassionate perspective, we can slow down and say, okay, in my planning process, in terms of what I'm putting on deck for this week, there's a list of things that I need to do for other people. Got to get my kids out to school and I've got to feed them and give them lunches and I've got to show up for work and I've got this meeting on Thursday and I know I've got to prepare for it on Wednesday night. But you put all those big rocks on your calendar and in your to-do list, whatever system you're planning on doing, like those are the non-negotiables. And then start small with yourself and don't start with something that's going to make you miserable. If you don't like waking up at 5 or 6.30 in the morning, don't start there in terms of making big life changes. Most neurotypicals wouldn't be able to do that either. But for some reason, we think it's a moral failing when we expect ourselves to make these sweeping changes and then we don't stick with it. It's because the changes we're making are too big and there's already too much stuff in our life going on because we say yes to all the things. So that's where prioritization is important, but it's also a pickle because prioritization is an executive function. So you got to get really clear on what is most important to me in this season of my life, whether that's like an actual season or this week, this month, like what's most important today and just make sure that those things get done and then add a little bit more for yourself. So I saw this quote the other day and I put it on Instagram as worth sharing. And this quote is by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. And I probably said that wrong, but the quote is, perfection is achieved not when there's nothing more to add, but when there is nothing left to take away. So the next time you're sitting down to plan out your week, keep that thought in mind. The perfect week is when nothing else can be taken away. And to that end, another quote that I shared on Instagram earlier this week was, you just need to have the courage to eliminate everything that doesn't directly feed what you really want. And that's a quote by James Clear. And when I think about some of the clients that are in my life right now who have huge aspirations, whether to start a business or to write a book or to move to the other side of the country and start an acting career, like so many amazing things. And I know they are absolutely capable of those things. They're incredibly talented. Most ADHDers are. But they get these stories in their head that they don't follow through on anything. So they don't trust themselves to go after their dreams. So it's not even that they're second-guessing their craft or their talent. It's that they're second-guessing their ability to follow through, which breaks my heart. Because if you can get that executive function piece figured out, you can follow through on all your dreams. But it starts with having the courage to eliminate everything that doesn't directly feed what you really want. You have to have the courage to say no to other things in order for that to be like the top priority. And then typically what happens is when you start to let go of other things, that other thing starts to come closer to you. And there's magic there. I will tell you, and this, if this client is listening right now, that person knows who they are, where, you know, if you have the courage to say no to the things that you don't want so that you can say yes to the things that light you up, 
the universe will conspire in amazing ways to make it happen. And I, I get to see this in my clients, like crap that I could not make up happens to people when they get super clear and they're willing to say no to the things that they don't want. So there's a lot of inner work that needs to happen when it comes to building systems that work for you. So we've talked about the logistics. We've talked about the hot, cold empathy gap and just being super realistic about what you're capable of and what you're willing to say yes to and actually follow through on so that you can build this new identity. And then there's the piece about really getting clear about what's important and what's not. And when you do tease out what's most important, you got to trust yourself that you're willing to put the effort into making that most important thing the only thing. So that's what I've got for you today. If you want a different variation on this topic, the YouTube video that I released today as well starts off the exact same way that this podcast starts off. But instead of me getting into sort of the mindset piece, in the YouTube video, I get into my notion system, how I'm using it, and how I'm using it to work on what I believe is going to be a project coming up in my life. I don't know that I have the bandwidth to make it a priority at this moment, but it's a book and it's how I'm thinking about using Notion as a template to structure my thoughts because big projects can be very scary for us, but if we are able to chunk them into templates, then it can make the whole process a lot more digestible. So if that floats your boat and something you're interested in, head on over to the YouTube channel um, and check out that video. It was released today as well, today, which is Friday, June 3rd. Holy crap, guys, we're in June. So on that note, I'm going to wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. I love hearing from you. And I appreciate so much that you're here listening to me. Talk to you next Friday. Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.